0: everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Buck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Buck, and I'm standing outside Darlington Raceway in the darkness as people are walking by us, heading to their cars, heading back to their campsites, I guess. And I am with the man who goes by the name of Sherwin from the PETM podcast. We're doing sort of a podcast crossover now. Sherwin, how are you? I'm doing great.
1: I really appreciate you having us on here. I say us because Rusty's here in spirit for sure. Yeah, so you
0: have a podcast, and uh, Rusty is your partner. He was supposed to be joining us tonight. He wasn't able to make it. I, I guess uh, something happened in the family,
1: so condolences to him. Is that is that correct? Yeah, that would be a good way to say it. Uh, I, in a lot of ways, logistically, it will make it easier for you because you only have to put the mic in one person's face other than your own. That's right.
0: I only have one mic, so next time in the future, we'll have to do uh, a combined podcast with the actual PETM boys. So, um, first of all, you were in the stands for tonight. Uh, when I saw you earlier at the tweet up you had a belt full of beers. Now they're all gone. You only have one beer, maybe. So, uh, did you enjoy your experience tonight?
1: Yeah, yeah I had a great time. <laughs> I always like to wear the beer belt to the uh, tweet TweetUp. Uh, it, it attracts attention and lets people know where we're at. Okay. So, what did you think of the race? I mean,
0: from your perspective, was it a good race? I was up in the press box for about, uh, to, to about maybe 90 laps to go, came down for the end. Um, I think the best part for me was just the comers and goers factor that, you know, the tire fall off. If this was a mile and a half track, you would have, you know, Denny Hammond would have never been able to come back up through the field like he did with the new tires. I mean, I don't know if that made it, you know, quote, a good race. It was, you know, typical Darlington maybe, but did you find it interesting?
1: So I, I think that actually did make it a great race. Um, that's what we want out of these intermediates. They're so fast that you want tires to matter. Uh, I thought the story that we were going to talk about was how Denny flubbed the race and he comes back and wins. And I think that is a testament to how much tires did matter and why that was important. And that did. It made the last 20 laps extremely exciting. Well, it's interesting because I feel like that kind of tire
0: situation is we just are not used to that anymore. And it used to happen all the time. Like you watch older videos uh, of races and it's like, you know, true throwback. They were like, you know, some a guy would get put new tires on. He'd zoom up through the field, and then as his tires would wear out, he'd fall back a little bit. Somebody else who managed their tires better would come up through the field, and you had that tonight. I mean, at end of the first stage maybe or at some point, like Kevin Harvick was battling for the lead and totally, like, gave up on his tires. Uh, like, he just started falling back. Kyle Larson blew it essentially at the end of stage one because – um, he didn't manage his tires well enough and Truex, well, people are having fun. Uh, Truex came and caught up with him at the, at the line. I don't know if you can hear that in the microphone, but people are walking by us. Yeah. But anyway, so, you know, um, obviously tires played a huge part and it was refreshing to see that.
1: I thought so, too. I think that's what we want out of intermediate racing for the most part. I think we want that everywhere, but we know to expect certain things at certain size racetracks like Martinsville, Loudon. Maybe the tires aren't going to give up as much. Uh, We want them to give up at places like Atlanta and Texas and Kansas and Chicagoland where we're going in a couple of weeks. Uh, Richmond, actually, they have been giving up the last couple of years, and that's cool. Uh, so I, I think that's what we want. We want the tires to give up. Obviously, we want the drivers to stay safe. Goodyear's done a great job of keeping our drivers safe. And so that's the other thing we have to remember when, we're, when we want a really soft tire. Uh, there are some, some trade offs, like the brake heat. Like, what happened with Truix at the end? He obviously was roasting his brakes, and that's what, he, like, you saw he, he might have broke a suspension part, but his brakes were on fire as he was riding around the track. So, I mean, that, that's what we want. As fans, that's what we want.
0: And I think, too, it's like, you know, people put a lot of the blame on Goodyear. And I'm sure they could maybe dial it back a little bit from the super hard tires that they have. But it really comes down to the track surface, doesn't it? I mean, this track surface has really aged faster than some of these other repaves. I mean, I guess this track was repaved maybe in 2009. But Charlotte was repaved before that, I think. And Charlotte still hasn't given up that much where you you can still pretty much stay out on on older tires and be okay i think it's charlotte but the the way the um the pavement is here it it worked it it did what they wanted to do i think um hopefully i think i think tracks have figured that out now that they're trying not to make it so perfect with the pavement technology but it really comes down to the
1: surface in so many ways yeah, I totally agree. And one of the things they've said for years about Darlington is you get a lot of wind. You know, it's a lo- it, this is a coastal area, despite the fact that it's 100 miles from the coast. So you get a lot of sand. You get a lot of wind blowing. You don't get, uh, you don't get that at places like Atlanta or Charlotte or Texas. Uh, but I think I've talked ad nauseum, uh, based on my, my professional background, about the pavement at Charlotte being polymer-based asphalt. And they thought it was like, yeah, we're going to build this surface that's going to be super awesome forever. And as it turns out, that's not really that good. Yeah.
0: Well, and and so I guess that makes this a throwback race, and that's the storyline. And something else that will be sort of a, a throwback in years to come. Well, I think be people talking about this Denny Hamlin drive back up through the field because it was pretty impressive. So, you know, a long time from now, people may go back to that time and say, "Hey, remember that time when Denny uh, blew it on you know trying to come to Pitt road and then." Was like came out 14th, 23 seconds behind the leader, and drove all the way up through the field. People be like, "Oh, that just doesn't happen anymore." I'm I'm projecting 20 years from now, and uh, so that this this race may be viewed
1: eventually as a throwback race. Well, I I totally agree, and I can say this uh, with the freedom of of saying on repeat uh, repeatedly that i'm not a denny hamlin fan i don't like denny at all as a competitor i think he's a great dude i think he does a lot of good things but yes this race is going to be considered one of the greatest drives in recent memory because of that he made up 23 seconds uh it's gonna i mean we're gonna talk about this for a while because it is the first time in a long time that tires matter that much and being fast mattered that much that you could pit you could go a lap down you could pass the leader and then pass him again yeah. so why don't you like denny hamlin uh, as a competitor i don't know that it's a great question i don't i don't really know the answer to that um i think you just have to like in order to create enough passion bubbles on both sides of the fence you have to have somebody that you don't like uh so you have the people that you do and the people that you don't and it's kind of like college football in that in a lot of ways like you have the team that you love, and you have the team that you hate. So you have two teams to root for every week. It's the team that you like and the team that's playing the team that you don't. And I think that makes it better in a lot of ways. Well, it's interesting because I had
0: – I don't know about – I'm not going to say I wrote Denny Hamlin off, but as these Toyotas have been doing really well this season, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Bush in particular, I've even thought, you know, at times Eric Jones almost seems better than Denny Hamlin on a consistent basis or faster um, and Kenseth's been okay. You know, I think he's been right there with Denny, but for the most part, it's like Truex and Kyle Busch and then Denny. And I don't really think of Denny is like much of a championship contender or, or something along those lines, but here he comes out tonight and really shows what a great driver he can be. I mean, really, um, the whole weekend. I mean, if you think about back to his crossover move on Logano to win the Xfinity race, I mean, he is really, really good here at Darlington, and this is a track of legends. I mean, this is a track where the best of the best shine. So now I'm kind of thinking, wow, maybe maybe Denny needs to be in that conversation um, when we start thinking about playoffs again.
1: Well, without a doubt. So if you throw out Regan Smith, and I love Regan Smith, if you throw out his win a few years ago, if you look at who wins races here at Darlington, it is champions. I mean, Joey hasn't won his yet. He's going to. That's going to happen. Uh, Kenseth is a champion kenseth has been very fast, but I would agree with you. Eric Jones looks faster than Kenseth. and he looked very fast tonight for a long time. Uh, and I asked Bob right here, 10, 20 feet away, uh, you know, I said, is this the Toyota show? If any, you know, if Truex gets gone, is he gone? And he's like, yeah, probably. And he almost was. But, I mean, it, Toyota still won the race. Uh, you know, I don't, we'll find out later what, what part he broke. I can't actually go, I can't wait to go back and watch the race on either YouTube or, or DVR the replay, but... Uh, And see all the things because I'm, you know, I'm dialed in. I got the headset on. I'm listening to my guy for a while. And then I'm like, well, what sounds interesting after he goes lap down and listen to that stuff. But yeah, those guys are fast. I mean, but you're right. I think I would agree that Denny is doesn't feel like a championship contender until you put tonight's data into the program. And those, the racetracks in the fall always
0: stack up well for Denny. I mean, he says it every year. He tries to tell people, I mean, you've you've got the Martinsvilles there. I think he's pretty good at Texas. Um, You know, he's good at Homestead. So if he can get there, if he can make it to the final rounds, um, you know, he he may have a shot again. I still feel like my final four with one race to go before the playoffs would probably be uh, Truex, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, and, man... I just can't throw Jimmy in there at this point. I'm I'm starting to really get off the Jimmy train because Hendrick looked like they were going to be okay, um, you know, for the for the race based on practice, and then they just were not really there. So unless they find their speed magically like last year, so I, I guess maybe I'll go Harvick for the last spot. Who who would your final four be at this at this point?
1: I think final four for me would probably be Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Larson, and then. You have to flip a coin for either an SHR or a Penske driver, one of those. So it's either Harvick or it's Brad, I think, for me.
0: Well, it's interesting how I think a lot of people this year, usually when you go into the playoffs, uh, people's predictions are all over the place for the Final Four. I really feel like a lot of people this year are going to have those, that Kyle, Kyle, Martin, and and then that that last driver is going to be swapped out. because. It, those three really seemed to, I mean, and tonight, again, for most of the night, you know, things happen or whatever. I'm not sure exactly what what happened um, to, to each of those drivers throughout the entire evening. But th- a lot of the time, they were running all together in the top five right up there. As you, like, look at the running order, and you're like, there's Truex, there's Larson, there's Kyle Busch. This is like, this is the fall. This is how it's going to be. It feels like at this time.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, they were all there. They were all there. And, you know, I, I think... Uh, it shows that they're all making really good speed, but they aren't necessarily making all the right decisions for this type of racetrack with the segments that we have, or stages, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, NASCAR. The stages, and then figuring out, okay, oh, my gosh, the tires actually did wear. We don't, we didn't – it felt like they maybe were unprepared for how much the tires were going to wear, even though NASCAR gave them, like, a bajillion sets of tires.
0: I, I just um – I wonder how people are going to view the Toyota thing going into the playoffs because Toyota seems to get so much hatred. And, um, you know, I was, we, we had this little reporter roundtable with Jamie McMurray, um, on, on Saturday, I think. And, uh, you know, we were asking him, I, you know, he, he really doesn't feel like it's a Toyota show. He feels like it's true X and Kyle Busch who are really heads, head and shoulders above everybody, but it makes it look like the Toyota show because they dominate races. but, And you have Denny Hamlin here tonight and, you know, it's like, well, it's hard to argue that it's not a Toyota dominated thing right now. But I I don't know. I feel like fans keep looking at the Toyotas and saying and being repulsed by it or something like they're just they're really not on board with it. And so that may be a turnoff to a lot of people if that is how the playoffs unfold, you know.
1: Well, one of the things I thought was very interesting sitting in the stands yesterday was when Denny Hamlin passed Joey Logano, the crowd in my area went wild. So that kind of tells you the Toyota versus Joey thing. I don't know what that is. People dislike Logano worse than they uh, like dislike Toyota, right? And, so, and I, honestly, I didn't read the entry list, so I didn't know who was in the 18 yesterday. I thought it was Kyle. So that freaked me out even more because I thought they were what? cheering for Kyle to pass Joey, and I'm like, is that where this – evolution has you know is that where we're landing here
0: (laughs) Uh, that's really interesting so uh there's one race left until the playoffs now and really the points are like a complete non-factor as they are now i mean clint boyer he really he really had no chance um on on points anyway but any shot he had was over after um after he had engine problems right at the start of the race so you know Basically, it's, it's going to be a win-or-you're-in scenario next week at, at Richmond for anybody else that wants to make it. Do you see any new driver popping their way in, or are the 16 that we have in there now going to be the ones that are the NASCAR playoff drivers after Richmond?
1: In terms of playoff drivers, I don't think we're going to see anything spectacular. I think there's two guys that could potentially win that race based on their skill set and the way they performed. I think that's Chase. but Hendrick has shown they don't really have the motor right now or they don't have something. Eric Jones maybe is going to fall into that piece. I was really disappointed to see Clint blow a motor while trying to save fuel on, like, the 11th lap of the race. It's like, hey, man, is that, like, but maybe that speaks to what NASCAR is now. Like, you really have to be, you know, Brad taught us five years ago running down the back stretch at Michigan or wherever he was, flipping switches and turning fans off and, like, and that, like, you can get that specific and and win a race because of those advantages of arrow, like, one pound here, two pounds there. But uh, I thought – I mean, I was disappointed with the Clint situation because I think, I think it would be a lot more fun if Clint's in the chase. But to your point, getting back to your question, I don't think we're going to see anything surprising. I really don't. Um, you know, I, I, the most surprising thing might be Clint winning at Richmond because he's really good there.
0: Oh, that's – you know, Clint is a possibility. I'll, I will concede that, but it really feels like it's going to go and it's going to be a Toyota-dominated race like so many have been, and you're probably going to see a Kyle Busch or a Truex going up and getting more playoff points. Truex won the regular season championship tonight, and so that's wrapped up. Um, he got 15 playoff points, or he will be getting 15 extra playoff points because of that, and he already had increased – By winning two stages tonight, so I mean the guy is going to have what I think he has 37 now, so 15, so 52 points, I think going into. So he's almost the maximum points you can get in a race are 60 this year because you've got the two stages that have 10 points each. So he's almost got an entire race advantage. But here's my hot take. I'm going to write this in my column later, I think. But I don't think that means he's a lock for homestead because everybody's like oh my gosh you know he's gonna have these uh almost 60 points almost one race advantage every single round but here's the thing sherwin i mean yeah he's got that over a driver that doesn't have any wins that goes in with like zero playoff points which are there there are going to be some in in the playoffs but like that you know if you have kyle bush and kyle larson who have like about 20 something each um in the round three and you have Truex, that's only a 40, you know, 40 point advantage, a 30 something point advantage over those guys. So that's only half a race. And all of a sudden, if you have a couple different winners in that last round, you know, in round three to get themselves in who aren't, you know, and, and, and it comes down to points like maybe one spot on points, uh, you know, Truex, if he has one bad race, all of a sudden that's, there's no guarantee. It, it gets tight pretty quick, I feel like. So I know the narrative out there is like Truex Homestead. He's a lock, but I'm
1: not ready to go there. Do you? Am I crazy or no? No, I don't think you're crazy. I think uh, – but you highlighted what's going to be the next bitching point is people winning stages means they accumulate points, which means they're fast all year, whether it's at the beginning or the end of the race. I think Truix is – has basically absolved himself as being a fast racer this year. Like he's absolved everything that's happened in his past because he's won four races and he's won every stage, just about at every race. <laughs> so we're going to, yeah. And we're going to talk about that as we move along in the stages, but you're, gonna, you're still going to have to perform. Like if Jimmy Johnson goes out and wins nine straight races, guess who's going to be in Homestead. Yeah. And guess who is the only driver that could probably do that is right. Jimmy Johnson.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting about Truex in that, like you, you feel sometimes like he just has this weird bad luck. He, as good as he's been, and as consistent as, as he's been all year, it it almost still feels like he has the ah shucks thing sometimes. Like where you know it's Charlie Brown pulling the football away, and um, you know he has closed out some races this year. He's had extremely fast cars, but you know I don't know if it's if if why why people have sort of turned against him. But I feel like. It's, it's okay to have the fastest car all year have a pretty good chance of making it to the finale. Like, I, I saw some uh, blowback on Twitter tonight. People were going, you know, I kind of miss that there is a lot of unpredictability because now Truex is just going to go sail, sail off into the, into the sunset and make it a homestead. And I'm like, well, everybody was complaining before about how, man, you could have this great regular season and then you just have one bad race and you're done. But, like, they kind of fixed that for at least for the top teams, and now people are still unhappy about it. I really don't have a problem with the best guy all year being have a, having a pretty decent advantage to get to the finale and race for the championship. It's still it's still back
1: to even once you get to the homestead. Yeah. So you're still going to have to race for it there. I don't know. What do you think? I think we're going to get NASCAR fandom's most honest opinion because Dale Jr. is not going to make the playoffs. And so it's going to be everybody forced to just watch it just watch it caged uh, and not watch it as a fan because there, there are going to be a lot of Dale Jr. fans that are going to still watch all those races, and we certainly hope they do. Um, but they're, they're going to say, all right, well, I either like the points thing or I didn't. Uh, to hit on your point about Truex kind of all-shucksing his way into success, it does feel like that at times because they don't really ever win that one like Jimmy's won three this year where he just kind of showed up at the end. Like, if Truex is going to win... He's blowing your doors off the whole night or day. So I don't know. I don't. Did I answer your question? I'm not really sure. (laughs) No, I I think that
0: that's a really good point that you you bring up. He he has to have like everything kind of go right. Essentially, he doesn't sort of back into wins. It seems like so. um, You you brought up Dale Jr. Um, After the race, I was looking for Dale Jr. to go talk to him. Couldn't find him anywhere. Then I saw his crew running all the way down pit road, way past where all the other cars were. I'm like, what in the world is this going on? So I walked all the way down to like basically turn four, end of pit road, right when it starts. And there he is, and he's uh, with a couple NASCAR officials who are standing there. And so I waited, and so I was like, hey, what's going on here? And he's like, oh, we got loose lug nuts, and they pull us in. So I'm like, oh, well, that's probably a suspension. He's like, yeah, we'll see what they decide. I'm like, it's pretty cut and dried. I mean, <laughs> that's probably a suspension. Like, uh, if you have two lug nuts at least two missing le- or loose lug nuts that is a one race suspension for greg ives so anyway i i, I haven't heard yet we're, we're recording this pretty much right afterwards so um we'll get the final word from nascar that may change but it's funny because i tweeted out oh you know it looks like greg ives might be suspended for one race and do you want to guess what junior nation's reaction was um they probably
1: were excited if i had to guess
0: That's correct. Everybody was like, oh, thank God. And people were saying, um, oh, wow, maybe something will change now and maybe he can make the playoffs at Richmond. I think they're putting way too much emphasis on – oh, we got an excited fan there. Uh, I think they're putting way too much uh, blame on Greg Ives for what's happened this year because Hendrick as a whole, to me, really is – I mean, you, you have a Chase Elliott hat. I mean, they're not on right now.
1: Yeah, so I'm wearing a Chase Elliott hat. I listened to Casey Kane's radio until it looked like it was pretty obvious he wasn't going to be very competitive tonight. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty dialed in to Hendrick Motorsports. I'm a Closet Junior fan just because you have to do that or else people will fawn upon you or cuss you out uh, on occasion. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, Greg Ives getting suspended is going to make a lot of people happy. It's going to give Junior a chance to work with somebody and hear and his fans hear somebody on the radio that is not Ives, and I know, and they're going to see the result not change.
0: Right. Yeah, they're, if anybody's thinking that they're going to have some Hail Mary next week, I think they're probably setting themselves up for failure because I don't see them turning on some amazing thing in one week. Um, so let's talk about what people will think of this race tomorrow. I'll put out the was it a good race poll. It'll be Labor Day. People will be out on the lake or having picnics or barbecues or something. And they'll have to say whether they thought it was a good race or not. Oh, this is going to be a tough one for me. I really don't – I was uh, – I've been pretty wrong the last few weeks. Whoever's the guest has gotten closer than me, I think, three weeks in a row now after I was on a pretty good streak for a while. So I'll let you pick first. What, uh, what percentage of people do you think will say that Darlington was a good race?
1: Well, I don't think I'll get as close as Aaron Bearden did, but I'm going to say 72% good. Wow, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So I feel like,
0: again, just like I feel like I'm getting tricked here because with Bristol, um, Bristol ended up, I think, higher than I anticipated. And um, so we're we're helping a pickup truck get out here. This is the stuff we do after after the race. (laughs) Um, So uh, anyway, I, I don't exactly know. I want to say lower because people are going to go, Oh, you know, it was Toyota and I don't care. And, but I really feel like it was, you know, if you watch the whole race and you had appreciation for the tire fall off, like I, I feel like most real fans want, want to see that stuff. I feel like they'll like it there. You know, there wasn't the big crashes and stuff, but, uh, I will say you said 72, right? I said 72. Yeah. I'm going to say, uh, this is tough. I, I really don't want to go higher. Okay, I, I'm just going to say 70. Is that, is that a cop-out to go so close to yours? Did, did you price this right, me? <laughs> that's, okay. that's not cool. No, that's not cool to my guess. I, I'll go back. I'll say uh, 65. Is that fair?
1: I I think it was. It, it's only fair if that's what you really think is going to happen because it doesn't matter. If, this isn't a winning proposition here. I don't care if I win. I care. <laughs> I understand. I just think... Um, I don't think – so I don't have exposure to the same number of people that you do with your Twitter and all the people that will provide you information that you either like or don't. I think most of the people that I pay attention to, uh, like Toyota is really not a big deal. Like there are some people that get upset about it, but it's like most people realize that like Americans are building Toyotas. If you drive a Toyota in America, it's built by an American. That's an American car. Yeah,
0: that's interesting. Um, One thing uh, before we move on, um, I know you didn't get to hear this. You maybe saw it on Twitter, but Ken Squire tonight um, was doing some commentary and he was talking about Eric Jones and twice he he hilariously called him. uh, He referred to him as the Jones boy. He's like, oh, the the Jones boy has a lot of speed tonight, you know, in in his Ken Squire voice. And uh, it kind of lit up Twitter about a, a little bit. And I thought it was hilarious. Is there any chance that you think the the nickname The Jones
1: Boy will stick with Eric Jones? Uh, if you were Eric Jones, would you not just own that immediately? Because it's Ken Squire. Right, right. I mean, it's Hall of Famer. It's the most famous voice in NASCAR. Why wouldn't you just own it? Take it right away. Change your Twitter handle immediately to The Jones Boy. Yeah. I would put that on a T-shirt. I would buy that T-shirt. I would buy it tomorrow. Yeah. Especially with, like, some kind of flowing mullet kind of motif. Yeah. <laughs> you could have like a logo
0: sort of like my Gluck.com logo, like where there's just like a silhouette. He could have a mullet on it, on his logo, and then he could it would just say the Jones boy on the shirt.
1: A style, simple, cartoon logo. Just a little bit of flowing, a little bit of ducktail in the back, the sunglasses, the Jones boy. Why right. wouldn't you do that? I Where's agree. this PR person? I
0: agree.
1: <laughs> All right, I agree. So I think, I think we need to make
0: a, a campaign for – the Jones boy shirt. And, um, hopefully, hopefully that can come up. Maybe that should be the, uh, the hashtag for this podcast. Would you be okay with the hashtag? The Jones boy shirt. sounds good to me. Okay. Um, so before we go, um, on a, on a serious note, not to, not to ruin the phone we've had, but, um, my post race podcast sponsor, Sam tech, they're down in Houston and obviously Houston is going through a really tough time right now. And they just wanted to pass along that, um, in addition to all the charities that are out there, um, you know, we've seen J.J. Watts uh, charity. I think you said you gave to that. I gave to that. Um, that's really cool. I mean, he raised over like sixteen million million, and he was posting videos. He's directly going to those people. Anyway, they just wanted to let people know in, in lieu of their traditional announcement of like, go to Samtech. It's great. Uh, they were hoping to, that people would uh, check out the Houston Food Bank. You can go to the Houston Food Bank online, and then you could give a donation there as well. So I just wanted to let you know about that.
1: Yeah, that's great. And so Sam, what Samtech is is a place for people to go learn how to turn wrenches and learn how to be NASCAR technicians. So if you're super excited about cars and you think you want to get deep into racing, Samtech is probably something you should check out. Do you know that from listening to my podcast? No. I Well, I mean, I do know it from listening to your podcast because I listen to all of them, of course. But uh, I, my alter ego is the person that wishes they were, like, somehow more involved with race cars. Okay. Than just doing a podcast. Okay, it's not too late. It's not too late. <laughs> it's not too late, but it might be. Okay.
0: Well, uh, Sherwin, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, send send our best to Rusty. We hope that uh, we can get the whole PETM podcast gang together. Um, you guys are on Patreon. I am one of your patrons, so that's cool. Where well, else can people? We're net neutral. We're ne- we're net neutral, okay. so, which is
1: pretty cool. Thank you.
0: Uh, so we we're supporting each other. Where where can people
1: find you if they want to hear more of what you have to say? Uh sure. Yeah, well, certainly follow at Ptm Podcast and at Pregame Engineer and at Tailgate Mayor. And do you want to tell people which one you are and why? Oh yeah. So I'm Sherwin. Sure I'm Pregame Engineer. I'm the one that runs basically all the marketing campaigns. I run the Twitter handle ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time. Instagram, all the other places too. Facebook. Uh, I because I love it. This is I love this sport. I don't really want to be media because my job skill set has me doing other things that bring in the paycheck, but I love this.
0: Well, I think you did a good job as media tonight at least, even though uh, you just had fun in the stands. So thanks again for joining us, and uh, thanks to everybody else for listening, and I'll talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.